Praise the Lord. Well, I want to start in the book of James, and then we're going to we're spend most of our time here this morning in, in the Psalms. Um, but I want to begin with this passage in James. You know, I, I've enjoyed uh, our journey as we've talked about knowing Jesus as Lord and living that lifestyle. I find that, that really calling Jesus Lord and living that Jesus is Lord life, for me, and, and I think for everybody, it brings you to a point where you have to be whole. You have to be all in. That I think most of the, the distress and, and the, uh, a lot of the anxiety that we face in our life, um, not all of it, but, but a big chunk of it probably is caused by us trying to live in two different worlds, by us trying to do more than one thing and be one, more than one thing, us being one version of ourselves over here and, and another version over here. And when I really say Jesus is Lord, one of, the, one of the great things about that, when I live that life, is that I have to at some point decide, is this an act? Is this uh, a temporary measure? Is this something I do when I'm around these people or on these days? Or is this my whole life? Because you'll find if you try to live a church life on Sunday and then an every other day life every other day, you'll find that your life doesn't make a lot of sense. In fact, you'll feel hypocritical. You'll feel torn. You'll feel like your praise isn't real. Your worship isn't real. Your prayers seem fake. And it's, it's not because, you know, they, it's, it's not always that they are, but it's that you're divided. Your own soul is divided between two different worlds. And what God has done so graciously is that when you were born again, he saved all of you. Do you know that? Like he saved all of you. One of the heresies in, in, or that faced the early church was this idea of, of dualism, that, that man was both irresistibly evil and, and, irresi- and, and just really good. And the spirit was always going to be good and your body was always going to be bad. And so they said you can't really be blamed for things you do with your body because your body's bad and your spirit's good. That went so far that some even said that Jesus, uh, that, that his spirit didn't die on the cross, but his, his body did. I mean, there was a lot going on that, that, that had no real truth in it, but some people hung on to that because they felt like, well, that explains me. You can't blame me. I, I'm, just a, I'm just an animal, man, you know? I, I'm just a mammal. I just do what I need to do, and, and I can't control myself. And, 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 and when the gospel is preached, it's proclaimed that Jesus not just, didn't just buy my spirit. He bought all of me, and I've been renewed. And, and though I wish he had given, I wish that we could get a new body every 10 years, that'd be great. And I wish that, I wish that we would just like have that perfect body that could last forever. That's coming, but that's not here. But the reality is, is the scripture tells us, in fact, Jesus reiterated it, but it's one of the uh, first 10 commandments was that you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, your mind, your strength. Isn't that the best way to live? Love the Lord. With all, all, all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. He's naming every single part of you. And so we ask the question, Lord, how am I loving you with my strength? What am I doing with my hands this week that can serve the Lord? You know what I mean? I mean, when you go in and you find somebody, you find a widow that needs her lawn mowed, or, or you find somebody that needs, that you've, you've been working hard at your job, and you've got some money from that, and you find someone that needs their grocery paid, you're loving the Lord with your strength. 
You're helping somebody move that needs it. You're, you're, you're loving the Lord with what you've got here. When, when, I get, when I get to church on Sunday and I don't feel like moving, but I begin to dance before the Lord or I clap, maybe that's out there for you. Maybe that's, that's your bold step is I'm going to put these two uh, slabs of meat together in a rhythm. That's, that's, how, that's far for me. That's far out. I, I don't see myself dancing or, or jumping or shouting, but I can do this, and this is crazy for me. Well, if that's crazy for you, go for it. You're loving the Lord with your strength. How do I love the Lord with my mind? When I was growing up, there were some that said, you know, just check your brain at the door. Just check your brain at the door. You're not going to understand this. We're, gonna just, we're just ministering to your spirit. Come on. Nobody wants you to check your brain at the door, even if you could. You can't. You would die. But you shouldn't. God wants you to love him with your mind. And, and, and though he, his ways are higher and his thoughts are higher, and though we need the help of the Spirit to understand the things of God, he doesn't want you to leave your brain behind. He loves your mind. He wants your mind to serve him. And so as, as we come to this place of wholeness of saying, I am, I want to be, I want to be all one person. I want to be the same person on Wednesday that I am on Sunday. I want to be the same person in the morning that I am in the evening. I want to be a man of God. I want to be a woman of God if you're a woman. I want to be that person that, that says, God, I'm all in. I'm all yours. Watch what James says in chapter 3. He's talked about how dangerous the tongue is, how dangerous your words are, how easy it is to start a forest fire. That's what he says. He says it's a restless evil, and, and all f forests are set ablaze by the tongue. You know, when we go camping, we, we love camping, our family. And when we go tenting, we, we always see Smokey the Bear somewhere. When we're in the States, we see Smokey all the time. When, we, when we're going in Banff, you see all the signs everywhere. You always see the signs that you, you make sure you put out every fire, especially these days, that, that you don't leave it smoldering, that you don't throw. If you smoke, you don't throw a cigarette out the window, all these things, because we're aware how easy it is to start a big fire. Remember a couple years ago, there was a big forest fire in California, and it was started by a gender reveal party? Somebody found out they were having a boy and a fire at the same time. They set off some explosives, and those explosives, it was dry. It was not the time for explosives. Well, James says your tongue's more deadly than that. And he's telling you you need to corral it because he says your tongue is the rudder for your whole life. If your life is a ship, he says your words are the rudder. So a lot of times when life stuff in life happens to us and things happen around us, we begin to echo what's happening. But if life throws you south and you're trying to go north, let your words echo where you want to be, not where you're going. Right? Don't, don't spend your time talking about how terrible it is. I hate going south. I hate this. I hate this. Instead, turn it and turn the rudder of your ship towards the direction that God has it. And James says this, and, and this is, I, I know I've said James says this several times, so I'm saying it again. This time we're actually going to read it. He says, and he's talking about your tongue. In verse 9, James 3, 9, with it, with our tongue, with our, with our words, we bless our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse men who've been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brethren, in other words, my brothers and sisters, my family, these things ought not to be this way. He's saying our tongue, our words, we should not be blessing God in one, out of one side of our mouth, and cursing our brothers out of the other. He said, it should not be this way. 
In other words, we're supposed to be the same person, right? If our tongue, we've got to decide whether I'm going to be a fountain of blessing or a fountain of cursing. What's coming out of me? And he goes on and he says this in verse 11. Does a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives or a vine produce figs? Nor can salt water produce fresh. And what he's telling you is we need to really decide what kind of fountain we're meant to be. What's coming out? Because he says you can't do both. Can a fresh water fountain... Or salt, can, can a fountain that's got salt water come out of it all of a sudden produce fresh water? No, it can't. And so he's saying, if, if my tongue was meant to bless the Lord, then I've also got to bless my brother and sister. Now, what's crazy about this is when we read this nowadays, a lot of times what I have to ask people, what we have to ask ourselves, because what James is saying is, well, we use our mouth to bless God, don't we? And everybody goes, yes. So he goes, does it make sense that we're cursing our, our, our brothers and sisters? And they go, no. But today in 2023, a question I've got to ask a lot of people is, are you even using your mouth to bless the Lord? Because, I mean, this makes sense when you're blessing God. But, you know, we have to be reminded that it is not just a religious ritual, that it is not just something that, well, we say these certain prayers at the beginning of the day so that someday maybe it all add up into something good. No, we've got to know that we were created to bless, and the first thing, First person we're called to bless, the first person we're called to spend our words on is him, is God. We're meant to bless the Lord. Now, when I say bless the Lord, what does that mean? We know when God blesses us, it makes us better, right? I mean, he adds, the Bible says the blessing of the Lord makes rich and adds no sorrow to it. So the blessing of the Lord adds to us. But you can't add anything to God, can you? Can you? No, you can't. That's not a trick question. Perfection can't be perfected, right? You can't make perfection better. You can't make God any more blessed than he already is. He is at the perfect state of blessedness, all right? So he is 100%. You can't add to 100%. I know when we watch the interviews on, on, at, at the end of the game, the guy goes, oh, just, we just gave 110%. You don't have 110%. <laughs> if that's what you had and that's what you gave, you gave 100 Nobody has 110. If you gave 110, you go, I gave 110. You were lying before. You had more in the tank. You know, you don't just say, well, we ran out of gas, but you know what? I'm going to give 110%. I'm just going to keep driving. If you're out of gas, you're out of gas. He can't be made better. So when we say, I'm going to bless the Lord, it doesn't mean I'm going to, I'm going to give him some money because he could use it this weekend. What we're talking about is I'm going to bless the Lord. The word bless means to speak good, to speak well. To, uh, to praise, to talk about how great he is. And one of the great things about this is, yes, the Bible tells us he enjoys it. Do you know that God has emotion? That God feels, that God experiences these things? So he's not just going, yeah, I already know that. Yeah, I know that. How obnoxious is it, you married folk, how obnoxious is it if, if your spouse comes to you and goes, I really love you, and you go, I know. <laughs> yeah, I know that. Why would you be here if you didn't? <laughs> you know, that's not productive, right? Sometimes you just like to hear, I love you. Oh, yeah, I love you too. You know it, but it's good to hear. Well, the scripture says he inhabits the praises of his people. He lives, he sets up a tent in the praises of his people. But it's also good for us. 
isn't it? Now, let me tell you something. I should not have to say it's good for us because we should bless the Lord just because it's right. Do you know what I'm saying? If someone saved your life, if a firefighter saved you from a fire, you don't go out and go, should I say thank you to the firefighter? If I say thank you just right, maybe he'll give me a gift certificate to Arby's. No, you just say thank you because it's right to thank the person that saved your life. Right? So, I don't know, we, we preach these messages in our modern times where I have to, you have to sell it, right? I have to tell you why it's good for you. It is good for you. But even if it wasn't, you should still do it because he deserves it. Do you know what I'm saying? And yet, you ever, had, you ever said something, you know, have you ever had one of those days where you said it felt like everything was right in the world? I mean, it feels like all is right in the world. Like everything was just in its right place. When we... Praise God when we give him the blessing he deserves, when we give him the worship he deserves. Everything is in the right place. And it is what causes us to thrive. And it is what causes us to come alive because this is what we were created for. Anybody ever hammered a screw in? Said, I shouldn't be doing this. It's not a good idea. It's not what that thing, that tool was not meant for that. We spend our whole life, you know, like an iron that somebody used to hammer attack in the wall. You know, we spend our whole life being the tool used for the wrong job. And then all of a sudden, you, you come to the Lord and you realize what you were created for. And you go, hey, I'm a Phillips screwdriver. <laughs> and that's what that cross thing is. Wow, that makes sense. All of a sudden, my life makes sense. It clicks because this is what you were created for. Yet we need to remind ourselves of this. That's why the scripture is full of reminders and commands to praise the Lord. When we say praise the Lord, that's a command. I've said this to you before, but let me repeat myself that, you know, often uh, I grew up and I just thought praise the Lord or hallelujah was the thing we say when we wanted to praise the Lord. And it's good. You, you should say that. But in the Psalms, when they say hallelujah, which is just the Hebrew phrase, praise the Lord. Hallelujah is praise Yahweh, praise the Lord. When they say that, it's not just an exclamation of praise. It's a command. Hey, praise the Lord. And when someone tells you to do something and they've got the right to tell you to do something, you respond. And so the response of the people when someone said praise the Lord was that they were supposed to start praising the Lord. And just like if I came to you at the back and I just said, hey, how you doing? It's been a while since we talked. I'm talking to you now. Here it is, me talking to you. This is me talking to you. We're talking right now. At some point, you'd want me to say something, right? <laughs> Isn't it nice to talk? Feels like a long time since we've talked. This is us talking. Okay, talk then. In the same way, when I say praise the Lord, praise the Lord, it would be good for you to begin to say, what do I have good to say about God? What am I thankful for? What has he done? Who is he? That I, what can I say about the Lord? And I began to praise him means I began to speak well of him. If someone said to me, do you love your wife? Oh, yes, I love her. Why do you love her? Oh, so many reasons. Okay, what are they? They're good reasons. Okay, <laughs> really good reasons. I have so many reasons to pray. Can I tell you how many reasons I have that I love my wife? Well, if, if, what it seems like after a while is that I'm stalling. Can you think of something? 
I've told you this. Uh, if you've been here for a while, you've heard me say it like 20 times. But I remember when, um, when uh, uh, just a season in our church, when my dad was pastoring, and I remember when he would have us stand up at the end of a service and say, let's just bless the Lord. And what we were meant to do was begin to speak in our own words. Everybody say what you need to say. Let's just, let's just talk to the Lord and tell him how great he is. And I remember how awkward it was at first because you're not used to it. So you're trying to figure out like, okay. and then, you know, some people would just like, just kind of like repeat whatever they heard. Like they'd hear the pastor saying it and they just go, amen, amen, amen. Or they'd just start praying in tongues or something, you know. But the more we did it, the more you trained yourself, you primed that pump within your own soul. The more you did it, the more natural it was for you to know, for you to just say, I don't have enough time. Give me five more minutes. Give me ten more minutes to just talk to the Lord about how great he is. I found that I'd be at traffic lights, just stopped. And I wouldn't even be thinking about it. And I would just be thanking God and praising God. And then I'd realize what I was doing. Because once you prime that pump, once that water starts flowing, it's hard to stop. And you find that this is, the, this is the ground for faith to grow. This is the fertile ground that, that God can plant faith in your life. God can plant dreams and, and God can, can, you know, that, that, that will dr- bring you through the hardest seasons of your life. That when praise is natural to you, that you say like David when he was being chased down, hunted down for his life. And he'd go, hey, I look to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from you. Because he had trained himself to praise the Lord. He knew how strong his God was. And that was the first thing he thought of when he was in trouble rather than the last resort when everything else fails. Now I want to read you, uh, we're just going to kind of skim through uh, three psalms here. And I say skim through, I'd love for us to deep dive into it, but for the sake of time, I want to show you the themes in these three chapters. You might say, well, if, if time is an issue, why are we trying three chapters? Let's just stick to one. But I want to show you three different ways we bless the Lord. And Psalm 103, Psalm 104, Psalm 105 shows you three aspects of praise that I think every single one of us should incorporate into our daily life. Not our weekly life, our daily life. We sang at the beginning, I've got a reason to praise. You know that you have a reason to praise the Lord. You guys know that? Do you know that? Do you know that? Do you know that? Yeah, you do. A couple years ago, we... We talked about Paul and Silas in prison and how they were beaten, whipped, and then imprisoned. And when they were in the jail, they began to sing praises, of, praises to God like at midnight. And when they were praising the Lord, after a period of time, the prison, there was an earthquake. The prison itself began to shake, and, and the, the doors popped open, and the shackles fell off of them. And a lot of times in our modern times, we go, see, praise opens prison doors. It, it, it causes jails to, to break open. And, and, and yeah, I get that. That's a really good point. But what we talked about a couple years ago was that Paul and Silas didn't know that. They didn't, they didn't have a story to go from that, you know, every time we praise, earthquakes come. That's never happened for them. They weren't praising to get out of jail. They were praising because that's what we do. We praise. At your lowest, I praise. 
At, at these times where you're afraid and you're hurt and you're, and you're saying, Lord, where are you? Why, why did you let this happen to us? Now instead they're going, no, God is good. They begin to praise him, and then they see the hand of God at work in their life. They turned it around, didn't they? That situation turned around, not because somebody started being nicer to them, not because suddenly the world became a brighter place with unicorns and rainbows. They, it turned around because they decided we can spend, spend our time here singing the jailhouse blues about how wrong this is. We've been wrongly imprisoned. We were wrongly beaten. I, I, I had rights as a Roman citizen that I didn't get to take advantage of, but instead they said, let's just praise God. And you have that choice. You have that option. Right now, I bet there are five things right now that we could just rant about, that we could cry about, that we could scream about and say, this isn't fair, it's not right. And I'm not telling you that you have to deny those things, that you have to hide those things or pretend they're not there. But I'm saying you won't know how to handle them until things come back into their proper perspective. Until you realize who God is and who you are in relation to him, you're going to be very bitter and, and, and confused and discouraged, and it's, it's, everything's going to be seen upside down. And so the first thing and the last thing I need to do is, is, is bookend all of this with praise and thanksgiving. Paul says that in Philippians. He says, if you, if you have any requests, bring them to God. Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. And he says, with that prayer, he says, bring your petition before the Lord. But he says, do it with thanksgiving. You know, when we have the, our great needs and we have all these things, Lord, I need this, I need this, I need this, it can almost seem like a shopping list we're giving to God. The Bible teaches us, don't just, don't just like bring your request before the Lord, but bring it with thanksgiving. Say, Lord, thank God for what you do have. Thank God for what he's done. And, and thankfulness is like faith looking backwards. Thankfulness is seeing God where you might not have seen him before. In Psalm 103 Here's the, here's the beginning shout. Here's the beginning exclamation. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. We sang a song earlier this morning that said, I'll remind my soul to bless you. How many of you know you got to remind your soul? What is your soul? Your soul is that, I mean, now soul's got a couple definitions in, in the scripture. Sometimes in the Psalms, the, the heart and the soul is talking about the depth, the, the deepest place in you. But many times in the scripture, the soul is talking about your emotions, your logic, your reason, that, that everything that's going on in your mind. But David encompasses it all here by saying, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. And all that is within me. You know, I remember how, how God says to his people, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. One prophet prophesied this from the mouth of God, and he said, I hate your songs. God says this to his people. I hate your songs. I hate your festivals. I hate your church services. This is in the Old Testament. The festivals were not just like carnivals. The feasts were things he told them to do. They were remembering what the Lord had done. Their songs were songs of praise and songs of worship. And he goes, they're really annoying. How would you like God just to interrupt our praise and worship right halfway through it? Just stop. I hate your songs. Just quit singing. It's annoying. Oh, God, you're supposed to... 
was it something I did? You know, like, it's the sound guy, isn't it? I knew it. Thank God for the sound guy. Now, he doesn't hate it because it sounded bad. He said that it doesn't match your life. It doesn't match your heart. You're just singing it. Yeah, it's only words. It's empty. You honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. Have you ever felt like the prayers you prayed and the songs you sang weren't real, but you wanted them to be? David is doing something we should all do. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, all that is within me. He doesn't want to be a hypocrite. He doesn't want to just say these things with his mouth. He wants it to come from every part of him. He wants it to come from the depths of him. Everything that's within me, bless the Lord. Soul, you've got a reason to bless the Lord. Maybe your, your mind is running away with itself and saying, I've got a million reasons to be mad. I've got a really million reasons to be discouraged. And he's saying, no, you've got a, a billion reasons to bless the Lord. So bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget none of his benefits. Who pardons all your iniquities. Has that changed? In fact, when David said it, he was on the other side of the cross. He was experiencing a mercy that is but a shadow of what you've experienced. Friends, you've experienced the blood of Jesus completely cleansing you of all unrighteousness. And so what David could praise the Lord for, you can do it double. Is there any situation in your life where this ceases to be true? Suddenly, he hasn't pardoned all your iniquities? It might feel that way. Right in the midst of what you've done and you feel guilt and you feel anger and you feel like you've betrayed people or people have betrayed you, you might feel like this might not be a moment. I feel all that pardoned and yet he pardons all my iniquities. So I'm going to bless the Lord. Not only that, but he heals all your diseases. Amen. There are times in life where you really need to remind yourself. Who redeems your life from the pit who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. If these first five verses don't feel real to you, they're still true. Whether or not you feel it, that's why he's telling his soul. You know, we get in a pattern of our soul telling us. I just got to speak what I feel. I just got to speak my truth. This is what I feel. I can't hide it. And David is doing the opposite. He goes, I know what I feel, and it's the opposite of what is real. It's the opposite of truth. And so I'm going to speak to my own soul and remind soul this is what's going on. There's another psalm where it says, why are you so cast down, O my soul? Hope in God. Why are you so cast down on my soul? So instead of your emotions or instead of your mind, instead of all these things telling you what's real, why don't you tell your emotions, I know what I feel, but I know what is true. So I'm going to remind my soul to bless you. I'm going to remind my soul to bless you. Even if I don't feel it, I'm going to bless you. Even if I don't, even if it, it, there's so many things in my life, I'm not denying that they're happening. I'm not trying to hide them. I'm not going to avoid them and just hope they go away. But this is my first step in actually dealing with it, is saying, has this changed? You know, when, you, when, when, when you're married and you have a, a time in your marriage where it feels like things aren't clicking and you're, you're arguing and you're not seeing things eye to eye. 
and you remind yourself, but I still love this person and they love me. And you need to remind yourself, I love, we, we, we've, we've given our lives to one another. You know, that love hasn't changed. We're having a rough day, but love hasn't changed. And I'm going to remind myself of something that's bigger than what I feel in the moment. When I say, bless the Lord on my soul, this hasn't changed. Then he says, the Lord performs righteous deeds and judgments for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the sons of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious. He is slow to anger and he is abounding in loving kindness. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. David's looking forward to what Jesus would do on behalf of us. He has not dealt with us according to our sins. He hasn't rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great, so massive is his loving kindness towards those who fear him or honor him, reverence him. As far as the east is from the west, that's as far as he has removed our transgressions from us. Thank you, Lord. You know, I've flown to Asia, and we didn't fly east, we flew west, right? There's a certain point, you go far enough west, you end up going east, right? But you're not. You're not going east. You're always going west. You never start going east. You're still going. You might get to what we call the east, but the you know it's not really. And so you finally get there, and you realize I could go west and keep going around. And I would never be going east. It never changes. I can never catch the east. I could keep going as far as the east is from the west. They'll never. They'll never meet. You could keep going east. You keep going west. You'll never start. You might hit the north pole. And once you hit the north pole, you start going south. But when you start going east, you never start going west. That's as far as he's removed his, our, our transgressions, our sin, for, our sin from us. Then he says this, just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord, or Yahweh, has had compassion on those who fear him. For he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. I, I'll finish this chapter, but I think you should do it on your own. I want to skip to the next one. Psalm 104 says, bless the Lord, O my soul. O oh Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty. You are covering yourself with light as a cloak, stretching out like heaven, stretching out heaven like a tent curtain. He lays the beams of his upper chambers in the waters. He makes the cloud his chariot. He walks upon the wings of the wind. He makes the winds his messengers, flaming fire his ministers. He established the earth upon its foundations so that it will not totter forever and ever. You covered it with the deep as with a garment. The waters were standing above the mountains. At your rebuke they fled. At the sound of your thunder, they hurried away. The mountains rose, the valleys sank down to the place where you established them. You set a boundary that they may not pass over so that they will not return to cover the earth. He's talking about the flood and how God made a promise that the world would never again be flooded in the way it was in the day of Noah. He sends forth springs in the valleys. They flow between the mountains. They give drink to every beast of the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. Beside them, the birds of the heaven dwell. Now, why is he talking about donkeys? Because donkeys live around him. He's going outside looking at, looking at the mountains and the springs and the donkeys. Now, unless you live where the Willises live, you don't have a lot of donkeys around. <laughs> to be fair, I got different things that I praise the Lord for. I've never quite looked at a donkey and said, praise God, that's a donkey. <laughs> How did you make this magnificent beast? 
But it's pretty incredible. It's a pretty cool animal. But I can walk out. Listen, we, we, we have such a beautiful area. We've got a lot of flat land around here. It doesn't, you don't have to go that far north before you hit the boreal forest. And you begin to see some of the most beautiful lakes and rivers. And, and you hear the sounds of the birds. And even when you're right around here and seeing the canola fields turn yellow. And, and you look at the sunsets that we get to enjoy right here in Lloydminster. And then you drive five and a half hours, six hours maybe. And you're already nearing seeing the mountains again. You're seeing the Rockies. And you're, you're going, man, like... Like my brother-in-law said, when he first saw the Rocky Mountains, he came to visit us, and he saw the Rocky Mountains for the first time. He said, if you can't hear God's voice here, I don't know if you can hear it anywhere. But David is, is, is not saying, these are the only things I can praise God about. He's walking around going, what about this and this and this and this? See, in Psalm 103, we learn to bless the Lord for what he's done for us. But in Psalm 104, he says, bless the Lord for his creation. And you're seeing the artist at work. You know, Romans 1 tells us that when we stopped giving glory to the creator, that's when everything went wrong. It says that all of creation shows his character and his hidden attributes. His hidden attributes. There are things about God that you see when you look at creation. And there's a reason you're drawn to it. There's a reason you find it beautiful. We just uh, took our... Uh, summer camping trip, and we went and spent some time with my sister and brother-in-law and nephew, and, and we went and, and uh, tented in Utah, and we got to see uh, like five national parks while we were there, and I mean, it's a different kind of beauty. I, we grew up right here. I grew up here, and so this is the kind of beauty I'm used to, and we would take trips to the mountains in Alberta, but this is a different kind of beauty. There's the red soil and the red rocks, and there's arches, natural arches that have formed um, and that are changing quite rapidly. There's arches that aren't there when I was, a, that, that, that aren't there, that, that were there when I was a kid. And you're just seeing this beautiful landscape, Zion National Park. You feel like you drove into a movie. Like you feel like the Jurassic Park music should be playing as you, as you drive into this canyon. And you're glad it's not, because that would be a bad sign. <laughs> but it's just gorgeous. Seeing the Grand Canyon and, 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 and just realizing, like, I mean, God has formed the heavens and the earth. And, and I, you're supposed to look at these things and see the artist in his art. And see the eternity of God in these ancient things. Psalm 103 has told us, bless the Lord for what he's done for you. Don't forget what he did for you. Psalm 104 says, look around you. Start blessing the Lord this way. Every day. You can get up in the morning and say, bless the Lord. You've pardoned my iniquities. You heal my diseases. You redeem my life from the pit. You satisfy my years with good things. You go on and you say, I will forget nothing that God's done for me. I mean, if all he ever did was die for you, that'd be more than enough. Every morning you can say, Lord, you've done this for me. Every morning open your door and look out and go, Lord, how great is your work. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, for this is what God did. Bless the Lord for this sunset. Bless the Lord for this breeze that's coming through. Bless the Lord that, that somehow I can plant this stuff in my garden and you cause it to grow. Bless the Lord. In fact, as you dive into the science of these things, it becomes even more complex 
the things that you just thought, well, I guess that's just what happens. You begin to find out all the intricate systems and layers that are involved. And the more you know, the more you realize you don't know. And you go, but God knows. And God created it. And I may not know exactly how, but I know he did. And it's beautiful. He says he, he's the one that has established the earth. He sends forth springs in the valleys. They flow between the mountains. They give drink to every beast of the field. Beside him, the birds of the heavens dwell. They lift up their voices among the branches. He waters the mountains from his upper chambers. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of his works. He causes the grass to grow for the cattle, the vegetation for the labor of man, so that he might bring forth food from the earth and wine, which makes heart, the man's heart glad, so that he might make his face glisten with oil. <laughs> All right, guys. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's your routine in the morning. <laughs> you just grab some olive oil. All right, I'm ready for the day. <laughs> How do I look, honey? All right. And food which sustains man's heart. The trees of the Lord drink their fill. The cedars of Lebanon which he planted, where the birds build their nests, and the stork which home is the fir tree. So David is describing the things around him. The high mountains are for the wild goats. The cliffs are refuge for the Shephinim. He made the moon for the seasons. The sun knows the place of its setting. You appoint darkness and it becomes night, in which all the beasts of the forest prowl about. The young lions roar after their prey and they seek their food from God. And when the sun rises, they withdraw and they lie down in their dens. Man goes forth to his work and to his labor until evening. Oh, Lord, how many are your works? It's wisdom. In, it's in wisdom you've made them all. The earth is full of your possessions. Every mountain I look at, every field we plant, Every forest we roam through when you're, you're tracking something, every, every lake you boat on, this is God's. It belongs to him. He's giving you permission to live here. Bless him for it. He's not asking for rent. He's not asking for a cut. Bless him. Bless the Lord. Lord, you did this. And I find that the harder my heart gets, the less I'm grateful for what he's done. But the more my heart is changed by him, the more I look out and I'm just thankful. And the smallest thing causes you just joy. Thank you, Lord, for this. I remember my dad saying, he said, when a man's heart is renewed, his innocence is restored, and it's easier to laugh. Like he says, silly things make you laugh. And I was like, Dad, what you, is this, this is just your excuse to tell corny jokes, isn't it? This is you telling me, if I don't laugh at your joke, that somehow my heart is renewed, isn't renewed. No, he said, you know, I used to be so cynical. It used to be hard to make me laugh. But he said, now, I'm like a child. Like, the silliest things just make me laugh. Because there's just a joy in what God has created. See, when you remind your soul to bless the Lord, your soul learns this is what we do. We bless the Lord. When your kids hear you from the back seat, driving and going, Lord, thank you for this. They learn this is what we do. They learn from their dads. They learn from their moms. Your soul learns it from you. This is what we do. We all know. You could be Eeyore. Oh, man. Thank God for the sunshine. Yeah. But we sure need more rain. Okay, cool. Well, thank God for the rain. Yeah, but I was going to go play baseball. 
Well, thank God that we have sun and rain. Yeah, but you never know what you're going to get. <laughs> like, you have those friends. <laughs> Lord, I thank you for this friend. Thank you, Lord, that they're teaching me something, and I don't know what it is. <laughs> Whatever it is, thank you for them. Remember my dad talking about, there's a couple farmers that used to have coffee in the cafe in the small town we grew up in, and, and they were always talking about something. He said, uh, we had had just a bumper crop year, a really good year. Finally, everything just turned out right. And he said to them, boy, he said to them, guys, what a great year. Hey, what a great crop you guys got in. And they said, yeah. Sure takes a lot out of the land, though. It's like, jeez. I mean, what are you going to do, right? <laughs> so that's what kind of spring you are, right? You can be a spring of cursing. You can be a spring of negativity. I mean, I'm not telling you, I'm not teaching you some new age positive thinking thing here. I'm telling you it is godly and right that you remind yourself what God has done. That you see his beauty. And you know what? It's not denying that there are things that are broken. And there are things that need to be made right. But it puts you in a position where you can handle it from the right place. Where you know that God can handle this. That you begin to say, Lord, I don't fear because I know you did all of this. My soul is in a healthy place. He goes on and he talks about how he made the... Uh, let me just read this part, and then we'll, uh, we'll finish up with Psalm 105. He says, there is the sea. This is verse 25. Great and broad, in which the swarms without numbers, animals both small and great. There the ships move along. And Leviathan, which you have formed to sport in it, or one translation says you formed to frolic in it, to play. We Scholars debate which, what kind of animal the Leviathan actually was. It's probably something that's extinct now. But it almost seems, when you see how Job describes this animal, it almost seems dinosaur-like, like sea monster-like. You know what I'm talking about? And God says, it says here that God created him just to watch him play. If you're in one of those ships, you're freaked out by that thing. But God's like, look, at he's doing a flip. Do a barrel roll. Like he's just loving it. I mean, God loves his creation, and he loves watching it play, and you find these new creatures. You know, when you're a kid, or even now as an adult, like, I'm, I'm go, we go to museums, and we, I discover something that I didn't know existed. So, you know, that, you remember when you find out that, that bombardier beetle that shoots little fireballs? That's so cool. I mean, there, there's all these little creatures you didn't know existed, and then when you do, you're like, Wow. And God knows every single one of them. And they all matter to him. So bless the Lord for what he's done for you. But then bless the Lord for what he's done. What has he created? Psalm 105. And I won't take long with this. But Psalm 105 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him, sing praises to him, speak of all his wonders, glory in his holy name. Let the heart of those who seek the Lord be glad. 
Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his face continually. Remember the, his wonders which he's done. His marvels and the judgments uttered by his mouth. O seed of Abraham, his servant. O sons of Jacob, his chosen ones. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He has remembered his covenant forever. The word which he commanded to a thousand generations. The covenant which he made with Abraham. His oath to Isaac. He confirmed it to Jacob as a statute. To Israel as an everlasting covenant. Saying to you I will give the land of Canaan. And the portion of your inheritance. When they were only a few in number. Very few and strangers in it. And they wandered about from nation to nation. From one kingdom to another people people. He permitted no man to oppress them, and he reproved kings for their sakes. Don't touch my anointed ones. Do my prophets no harm. He goes on and he tells the story of how God brought Israel out of captivity and into the promise. In Psalm 103, bless the Lord. Don't forget what he's done for you. Psalm 104, bless the Lord. Don't forget what he's created. Psalm 105, he's telling you, don't forget what God's done in his word for his people. Every morning, you can bless the Lord for what he's done for you. Every morning, you can bless the Lord as you look at his handiwork. And every morning, get your Bible out and say, Lord, what have you done from generation to generation? Have you ever thanked God for what he did for Abraham? Have you thanked God for what he did for Moses? Have you thanked God for what he did for Rahab or Deborah? Have you thanked God for what he did for these people? Or do you say, well, that wasn't for me, it was for them. What does that have to do with me? But you begin to realize that we are part of one long story God's been weaving from the beginning of history. If he hadn't done that for them, we wouldn't have what we have today, that God has been building and building from the very beginning the story of redemption. And you're part of it. You're part of his great story. You're part of this great race that we're running together. Because God did that for Abraham, I have. Because God did, God, God promised, in you I will bless all the nations. I'll put my blessing upon you. In you the nations of the earth will be blessed. Your seed will be beyond number. Because of that promise to Abraham, Jesus was born. And because Jesus was born, Jesus lived and died for me and rose from the dead and gave me life everlasting. So I read and I go, thank God for what you did for Abraham. Thank you for bringing Israel out of Egypt. I'm not ethnically Jewish. I'm not, I, I come from a different stock. And so you might say, well, those aren't your people. And yet, the Bible tells us that we Gentiles have been grafted into that family, that we can thank God. Thank God for what you did for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Thank God for bringing the Israelites out. When you open the, the scripture you say, bless the Lord for what you did here. Bless the Lord. God, thank you for this. God, thank you for this. Psalm 103, bless the Lord for what he's done for you. Psalm 104, bless the Lord for what you see in creation. Psalm 105, bless the Lord for what he's done throughout history in his word, what he, uh, the many wondrous deeds. And he says, tell everybody about them. He says, speak it among the nations, the peoples. When he talks about the peoples, the word there is like ethnic groups. So he's saying, don't keep it to yourself. Tell everybody in the whole world what God has done. And that's, I think that's hard to do if you don't actually believe it. 
Do you know what I'm saying? Like, if you're saying, I feel like as a Christian, I should share my faith, but if it really isn't your faith, you're going to feel like a fake. If you're going to tell people, this is what the Lord has done, isn't it wonderful, but you don't actually believe it's wonderful, you're going to feel fake. But when you believe it, and when you know it, man, it's the hardest thing to keep you from telling somebody. I, I remember what it's like. People telling me I had to share my faith and how to tell people about Jesus, and I just wasn't on fire for the Lord, so it was torture. And then I remember what happened. When I got on fire for Jesus again, I, I remembered how great he is and how much he's done for me. And my life all of a sudden came back to that place where I was excited again. And it was like it's the hardest thing not to tell you. I'm not forcing myself to tell you about the Lord. I'm happy to tell you about the Lord. Because he's changed my life, and I, I love you, and I want him to change yours. One famous atheist, I remember saying that one famous atheist uh, said this. He said, you know, somebody after a show that he had done, somebody came up and gave him a Bible, and he said, thank you. He said, you're the first, per per first person that ever gave me a Bible. And he goes, if these Christians believe what they say they believe, why is this the first guy that ever gave me a Bible? He goes, these guys must really hate me to never, if they believe this, if they believe what they believe, that this leads to eternal life, and, and without it, I'm going to hell, and they didn't tell me that, this is the first guy that seems like he loves me. And that hit me right in the heart. That hit me right where I lived. So here I am, and here you are. You might say, I'm not at that place. I feel kind of cold. I feel kind of hardened. Well, this is one of the greatest ways you can soften your heart again. Do you know there are practices in the scripture, there are disciplines that you might feel are empty ritual, but don't let them be empty ritual. You might say, well, I grew up in a very religious family, a strictly religious family. My parents made me do it. That's why every I cringe whenever someone says you have to do that because I know what it was like to be forced to do that. So don't, don't do it under compulsion. Do it with gladness. But I'll tell you something. This is the way to lead to joy. I mean, you want something to grow in the garden, you plant it, you water it. That's, that's what God has set forth from the beginning of creation, right? It hasn't changed. You don't go, well, that's the way my dad did it. I'm going to do it differently. I'm just going to put the bag of seeds on the ground, and I'm not going to water them. I'm going to pour milk on them because I'm doing my thing. Well, yeah, happy birthday. Have fun with that. But it won't work. There's a reason this works. There's a reason he's saying, bless the Lord, oh, my soul. He's having to remind his soul, remind him how good God is. So today, church, I'd love for us to be a church that blesses the Lord, a church that honors him, a church that loves his presence, a church that is full of the goodness of God, people that remind each other to bless the Lord, that remind each other how good God is. I love it when someone reminds me what the Lord has done. I love it. Because there are times I need that. Isn't it great having somebody around you that can just remind you what the Lord's done? How good he is? You know, we have praise and worship leaders here that start to lead you into worship. They are not praise and worship performers. They're leading you. They're helping you. Let's do this together. Let's lift up the name of the Lord together. Come, let's sing together. Let's exalt his name together. They're not there to do a song for you. They're there to lead you in singing, lead you in praise. And so, you know, if you've got nobody around you to do that on Tuesday, do it to yourself. 
Be your own praise and worship leader. Come on, everybody, let's praise the Lord. And then you go over here and go, yeah, amen. And then you go, all right, let's sing this song. Yes, amen. If that's what you got to do, just do it. I mean, how crazy does David look going, bless the Lord, oh, my soul. And all, if, if his wife walked in, who are you talking to? My soul. Couldn't you just say that inside your head? No, I had to say it out loud. Things change when you say things out loud, don't they?